Hey gang, welcome to Barn Banter with Cowboy Andy, the podcast for children's musicians by a ba-da children's musician. Today we're going to have a chat with a very good friend and returning, our first returning guest. I think that's got to be worth something. Val Smolkin. And previously, we talked to Val about the art of ventriloquism. But today, we're going to talk to Val about something that is maybe more applicable to more performers in the children's music genre. And it is organizations that help support, encourage, provide camaraderie, and a sense of community for us folks who dabble in the music for the families and kids. Specifically, we're going to talk about the Children's Music Network, which is a fantastic organization that I have belonged to for a a number of years. They have annual conventions. They have a huge, uh, just tons of resources. And so if you haven't checked them out, you should. And other organizations and Facebook groups and things like that that are out there, which we'll talk about later. But now, let's dive right into the best of things about the Children's Music Network with our very good friend, Val Smolkin. Hey, Val, clue us in as to what's going on with this really cool organization. Generous doesn't even begin to say what people are in the network. They will, um, I often tell teachers, you know, if you need a song about an ant eating peanut butter and you go on the CMN forum and ask, you'll get 50 songs about ants eating peanut butter or whatever you could imagine. in, in a nutshell, what they say, the, the mission, the, the, you know, the elevator speech is that we are a group of people who celebrate the positive power of music in the lives of children with, through songs and exchanging ideas and creating community. And that really does say it. I mean, that is what we do. And I wish uh, I had joined back in the 90s, in the early 90s. And then it was very, it was much more New England and um, folk music Uh, oriented. But over the years, it has changed and changed. And now there's, I feel, uh, a wonderful place for artists, educators, and people, social activists. It's it's a great place to meet your peers, feel at home. I I go to a conference and I say, it's my people. I met my Uh people. I feel so comfortable with these people. Um, And we have a a national conference coming up. And September 20th to the 22nd in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I'm going to be there and lots of people are going to be there. Uh, are you going to be I'm, there? Unfortunately, I'm not. Uh, the conference this year is uh, One Drum, Many Songs. And yes. I've noticed over the years that I've been following uh, the network that the, the organization has shifted. And I don't want to say um, politically, because I don't necessarily think that these things... Uh, necessarily need to be political, but the inclusion and the visibility of of equality and activism has has moved a little bit more to um, in not to the forefront, but to a more visible um, place in it uh, that I've noticed. Oh, you you think the activism has moved to a more visible place? Interesting. Looking at the history of it, to to me, I think it's moved a little bit to the side. I think the activism was the central piece um, when it came from the People's Music Network and then they had the Children's Music Mm -hmm. Network in the 80s and 90s. I think that was the central piece. Uh, And then I suppose maybe it moved away from that. But I see it as as moving 
moving towards a, a larger circle that includes not just artists, not just social activists, and not just educators, but there's a place for all of us. In fact, we have this wonderful logo. If you look at the website, childrensmusic.org, there's a logo at the beginning that says, where, where do you fit in? And it, it has three Venn diagram circles. And many of us, I mean, I consider myself an artist and an educator and an advocate, but I'm a very subtle advocate. I'm an advocate of love. I don't, I'm, I'm not a, I, I don't, I just, I'm just into love um, and trying to be loving to everyone I meet in my life and hoping that's going to make the world better around me because I don't know what else to do. Um, other people have their words and songs that really make strong points and that, that I'm so happy they're there because I don't have to feel like I have to write those songs. Someone else can do that. Uh, and of course, we're also trying to, we're trying to diversify in all ways and by kinds of music, by types of occupations, by cultural backgrounds, and I guess there's something, oh, by age as well. Uh, so that's that's where we're headed right now. We're, it's an exciting time, I think, to be in the Children's Music mm. Network. So the t- looking at the at the 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 long view of of the Children's Music Network and, and what it does and and how it operates. Like you said, so I don't have any perspective about what it was like in the 80s or 90s. I joined like eight years ago. And so mm-hmm. um, where where it's trending and things like that are you, you obviously, you know much more than I do about that. And that's that historical perspective is very, um, I think it's kind of important. And part of it is also like, well, what, you know, where, where are they now? Where are they going? You're, you have a role as co-president of the organization currently. Is that true? That is correct. What does that mean? I, well, first, I want to mention something you just said. It just occurs to me: you joined eight years ago. Who was president eight years ago? Um. Oh, jeez, Val, you totally put me on the spot. I don't know who the president was of the Children's Music Network eight years ago. Jeez, oh, how much time do I have? Uh, I'm gonna have to stall. Um. Let me get back to you. Hold on. Of the Children's Music Network. Obama. Oh, uh, uh, yes, President oh, Obama. Who was president, was, of the was president of the country? President of the country. Right. I knew that. I have a feeling, you know, things that have happened in the political arena are what has made the political side of things seem much stronger because there's a lot to say these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that is why your perception is very different from mine. So then, but you did ask me another question. Oh, where are we going in the future? Did you say no? no. It's, what was it's, your... um, a little bit about the organization specific. You're the co-president. And mm-hmm. so well, what does that mean? What do you do? And, and, and. <laughs> Well, yeah, what does that mean? Truth is, I have a lot of fun. <laughs> Good. <laughs> a, I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't think so, but the board is just a, a group of wonderful people. When I first joined, I was I was thinking, you know, the lawyer in me was thinking, oh, well, okay, board of directors are going to get this work done. And then I learned, no, we we guide the institution, we do what we can, we choose projects, we we decide to get rid of committees. The word in committees because committees meet and never do anything. So we work now on projects. You, if you have a project you want to see come to fruition, then you do that as a board member, and you get some people, non-board members, on 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 board with you, as it were, and see your project through. And that I feel, well, at least to me, that's energizing. So I get to I get to hear about all the things that people love in their hearts, the things they're really driven to do, and we organize it, but in a friendly, non-stressful. Um, way because there are people who get on you know get on the board and all of a sudden somebody's sick the mother that and we go go take care of your life of course mm-hmm. you know so we're um, 
so I, anyway, I found it'd be great fun. We're, we're trying to encourage people as soon as you get on the board, one of your jobs is to think about who might take your place three years mm-hmm. later. Uh, because you need to, to have a successful organization, you need people going through the board. And it seems to me, I remember this from a church vestry also, once, once you're on the board or a vestry, that's when you really comprehend and understand what the organization is about. And it's, it's a really wonderful thing to know. And then you move on and can continue to help over the years, but no, you know, no longer in charge or not in charge. Being on the board does not mean you're in charge. Being co-president does not mean you're in charge. It just means you help organize. And Jane Arsham is our executive director who is fabulous. And she is the one who helps things move forward. So what are some of these projects that the board takes on, for example? Like what would be one that is that someone on the board just brings up that is a, a new project that you are you're working on? Okay. One project is mentoring. We have a, a wonderful website and document that, that any member can go to and say they want to know more about recording. Oh, these people are really good at recording. Or you want to know more about ventriloquism, you could come to me. You want to know more about putting on shows for libraries, you go to this person. So we have a mentoring program that was uh, established by Bruce O'Brien and, and Matt Fernald, I think, were the real go-getters on that. We have a program. I, I have a simple program that I want to keep in touch with members. I, I encourage people to write to on the board to write to people, go through the directory and just drop a line to somebody and say, hey, I don't know you. Who, who are you? Tell me about you. What do you do? And I've met wonderful people just doing that. I, I find that fun. Not everybody would. So that's my project. Another project is, um, as we're trying to diversify in so many ways, we are now holding our conferences in the future in more um, in larger, uh, what's the word, larger cities, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, Scottsdale is one. Next year is going to be in Washington, D.C. 2020 will be in D.C. And we want to establish connections with colleges in the area, in particular historically black and, and uh, universities and colleges, because there's so much they have to teach us. Um, and we want to establish these friendships and these connections. So I'm very excited. I've, I've gotten in touch with Morgan State University here in Baltimore. I don't know if you know Morgan State, but you might know the Morgan State Choir. They are fabulous. The music program at Morgan is out of sight. So I'm going to be meeting with one of their professors next month to, about trying to, you know, just establish relationship between our people who have years and years of experience and their students who bring everything new and bring these two together, that just seems a perfect synergistic combination of people. Yeah. So the board, so those specific projects that go on within um, the Children's Music Network, if you were, so let's say that your name is Fred and you are a um, <laughs> kindergarten teacher in Ohio. You started to write some songs and some people said, hey, come play the birthday party. And you're like, great. And there's music time at the library and you start doing that and you you realize you really enjoy this. And so Fred says, I'm, I, need, I need more. I want to get engaged. They go to childrensmusic.org, which we've plugged three times now. I have to say, that's pretty good. That's pretty good for the podcast. Like three times we've hit that website. That's, <laughs> that's, that works. Fred signs up, pays his uh, annual dues to become a member. What... In that, in the value equation of of giving and getting to organizations that we belong to, what does Fred need to give? And you talked a little bit about what he can get, but but some of the things I know are like there's the song library, there's the the newsletter, pass it on, there's the the seminar. But in the in a more general sense of community, 
what should Fred give to a community and what can he get back on a, on a personal level? Oh, I think it, if I if I apply it to myself, to, just to be open to the people around you who are in your business, because there will be other musicians locally. And the way we look at it is the, the more you get together, you sort of raise the water for everyone. It just, it makes life easier. Um, be prepared to, to share your music, to to be supportive of other people. Um, we At our conferences, for example, we have a round robin where anyone can get up and sing. And, and a long time ago, we had more children in the group. So they would get up and sing and you just applaud. And it's not the kind of thing where you're trying to be the best ever. And if somebody gets up there and they're off key or their music isn't quite, you, you know, you don't go, oh, well, that's not good. You go, you know, man, you got up there and you did it. You know, that's cool. Keep singing, keep writing, keep doing it. Because the, it's the joy of the music. It doesn't matter that the music isn't perfect. Mm -hmm. It's it's the song. It's the it's the universal sound of music. I mean, it, it, it open yourself up to that, and I think you just open yourself up to all sorts of growth. Mm -hmm. As a professional musician, you talked a little bit about the benefits of networking, and um, I think for educators, the fact that there's that song library and the oh, I'm totally spacing on the word where you go online, the forum. That's it. Uh, the forum, the forum is, is incredibly active, I know, as far as uh, yes. back and forth and and uh, questions and advice. And and from what I have seen, you're not afraid to take on some of the more, or it's an open space for some of the more um, potentially touchy subjects. Like, is this song cultural appropriation? Or can we still sing these songs? Uh, are they yes. still appropriate? And I, it's interesting from my observations, people have different opinions on these. There's no, I, I can't see a, a specific right or wrong. Like if it's a, um, some songs have language in it that we just, you know, we don't, we don't use that language anymore for very specific reasons, yet it's in these songs. So how do you, how do you approach that? You know, do you change it and things like that? That was one of the more interesting things I found about the forum and the and the discussion is that it's very contemporary. I mean, it's very active in what it's trying to do. It, ab absolutely. I mean, that was a huge discussion and, and the whole question. Of course, there are songs that I think none of us would ever sing again um, for children. There are phrases, you know, once your, your eyes are open, you realize, oh, my goodness, look at what that means. And it seems to me all my black friends understand that people have used these songs perhaps unknowing. But once you know that it's going to hit, that it could possibly hit people in your audience the wrong way. Why would you ever want to disturb your audience, um, especially in children's music? I, I think that was a, a great discussion. I learned a lot from that, too. You know, there's a couple of other things I really want to mention, though. Talking about collaboration, there's also the Indie Collaborative. Are you aware of that? Do you belong to Indie Collaborative? I think I follow them on Facebook. Yeah, in IndieCollaborative.com is another group of musicians, mostly professional musicians of all kinds. I mean, I'm probably the only ventriloquist children's artist. Most are jazz singers or pianists, but, but a wonderful source to meet people and, and possible collaboration. Through them, I went up to the bitter end uh, at the end of August, and I got to do one of my adult, my, my, one of my few adult puppet uh, acts and it was just it was so much fun I mean, it was just a ball and they are fabulous people eileen sherman and grant malloy smith in new york uh started this and it's a 
it's a wonderful place to learn and to grow. And they have events that come up where you can, you pay $50, for example, to go to Bitter End. I did pay $50 for a ticket. And I was lucky to be chosen to, to put on a show. So like 20 people put on a show. But again, you have this peer group that's so positive and so encouraging. And it was, and you get a video or, or pictures of your performance at Bitter End. I mean, it's kind of mm-hmm. cool for those of us who don't live in New York. I also want to mention Pickleberry Pie, which has people going into hospitals, uh, perform, children's, children's performers go into hospitals to help lift the moods, not only of the sick children, but their parents and the staff and everyone else. Another, that Pickleberry Pie is pickleberryhospitalconcerts.org, pickleberryhospitalconcerts.org. Another one is Taffy Presents Theater Arts Festival for Youth. They send artists into schools and libraries and hospitals and shelters to, again, share the gift of music. They are taffypresents.org. They sent me to the Maryland School for the Blind. I did a songwriting program with six teens who are blind from birth, and they wrote the lyrics of these fabulous songs, and I got Dave Canoin and Jimmy Hammer went together and did the music for one of the songs. If you don't know who they are, you should. They are are just prolific children's songwriters out in L.A. and are amazing. Um, but again, people I met through Children's Music Network. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, um, had a wonderful conversation. I brought Dave Canoin onto the podcast just a couple of weeks ago to talk about that. Oh, and at the end, he actually circled back to he's the West Coast um, <clears throat> operative. I don't think that's the right word for Prickleberry Pie out there. And so we chatted a little bit about uh, right. about. Uh, bringing music to to children and in hospitals and things yeah. like that. I just that's that's the other side of the um, uh, the the children's music genre, which is so I think interesting and fun and beautiful. Is the fact that within the community of musicians, people are you know they're you're, you're willing to give the best of like, hey, you want to be a ventriloquist? Well, here's the thing, and you know, watch out, <laughs> don't do it more than fifteen minutes at a time, or you know tips and tricks because you know a lot of times that's not i don't think that that's a universal in art that people are are so open to giving but in this genre it is and then the other side of it is we perform for free if there's children who need music you know we'll we'll or even perform at a deficit (laughs) well well the thing the thing and i have to say the thing about pickleberry pie and taffy is that is that they realized that they wanted music in hospitals, but they didn't want performers to have to do it for free. They do pay you. It's not a lot, but you do get paid to go in, which is, they felt the, the founders of these, let's see, uh, Pickleberry Pie was founded by PJ Swift. Uh, she's now the board president, and now Jenny Heitler-Clevins runs it. Um, she's the executive director. And Jenny's half of, you know, two of mm-hmm. a kind, Jenny mm-hmm. and her husband David, right? So they run that. But they, you know, they you are paid and and pj felt very very strongly um and so did pamela pamela wood started taffy theater arts festival for youth they both felt very strongly that artists are trying to make a living you can't ask them to give this away for free and yet this is such an important thing so they went out and raised money through donations to pay performers to go in um which i think is that really makes it a full circle Mm -hmm. you know back to that old thing about the people who ask you to perform because you'll be for, for the exposure. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. That works well <laughs> I'll if, you're, eat your if you're like performing in um, Nome, Alaska. You get some great exposure, <laughs> all sorts of hypothermic exposure in Nome, Alaska. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. Harder, it's harder to be a, a 
performer and make a living at it these days with uh, with streaming and stuff, as far as I can tell. But it seems mm-hmm. on the flip side, we're all still in it uh, together. So that's kind of the cool thing. Yeah. Yep. And the more we help each other, the more we support each other, the more we each subscribe to each other's YouTube channels or Spotify things, the, the better it is for all of us. So it's, it's just, you know, the whole music business is on its head. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's going to take several, well, at least a decade, I think, for it to sort of get settled yeah. again. And that's our talk with Val Smolkin from the Children's Music Network, a fun organization. Fun? Yeah, fun. It's fun. I think they're fun. They're fun. They're helpful, super supportive, lots of resources. And the cool thing is, it doesn't matter where you're at. Are you one of those performers who just wants to perform in your local community? You don't want to go more than 20, 50 miles away from your house to entertain children and families? Or... Are you shooting for a Grammy and trying to get on Kids Place Live and do national tours or international tours? The cool thing is, is that my experience with the Children's Music Network is all kinds of musicians at every level with every possible um, aspiration are a part of that conversation and they each bring their own bit. To a certain extent, this podcast is kind of about that too. It's just a different representation or a different manifestation of that idea of support. But the good news is, is that when you join the Children's Music Network, you can go online, uh, you can go through their online portal, and you can go ahead and just you know pay your dues there and become a member. The cool thing is, is that when you do that there, you don't happen to listen to me uh, t- uh, talk talk all the time. And I did know who the president was, just so you know. I knew who the president was, and I know who it is now. Uh-huh. Okay, until next time, go get them!